You are listening to the Ortho Idea Podcast, where we bring you the newest trends in orthopedic technology. Tune in for engaging interviews with medical device executives, surgeons, and surprise special guests discussing new disruptive technology in the marketplace. Here is your host, Eric Anderson. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Ortho Idea Podcast. My name is Eric Anderson, and today on the podcast, I have the honor of speaking with Patrick Jamnick, who is the president of EpiSurf Medical here in the United States. And they have an exciting new technology that has just come to the marketplace. And uh, Patrick's going to come on and talk to us about that and also about EpiSurf. So without further ado, Patrick, how are you today? I'm good, Eric. Thanks for having me on. I feel like this is almost like a sports radio thing, but longtime listener, uh, first time caller. So it's a pleasure to be on. Well, I'm glad you called. Uh, no, yeah, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I know. We, obviously, we've been friends for a while, and I'm excited that the marketplace can hear about what you've been working on so diligently for such a long time, and it's here. So it's pretty exciting. So if you would, just kind of tell us a little bit about EpiSurf. People have heard the name EpiSurf, but if you could tell us a little bit about the organization, and we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. So and thanks for asking, because I think the story of the company and the company's a little bit about the company's history is really important to sort of where and how we got our start. So we are a Swedish-based company. Company headquarters are in Stockholm. We were founded by an orthopedic surgeon named Professor Leif Reed. Leif was an um, orthopedic surgeon at the Karolinska Institute, one of not only Sweden, but Europe's sort of foremost centers of excellence and around the world. And Leif was a knee surgeon who, in his late 50s, started to experience pain in his own knee. And through a little bit of self-diagnosis, he realized pretty quickly that all of a sudden he was one of these, what are sometimes referred to as gap patients. And by gap patient, we really mean sort of middle-aged patients that are kind of stuck between what are traditionally thought of as sports medicine ideas and principles and surgeries and joint replacement on the other end. People roughly between the ages of about 40 and 60. So Leif realized that he had some problems in his knee. He was in a lot of pain and he sort of tells the story better than I can, but it takes on a whole sort of new life when all of a sudden you are the patient and you realize some of the things Leif would tell the story of people who came in with my sort of condition of my age. I would sort of tell them a lot of times, well, you know, you're not really ready for a knee replacement yet. So you just kind of have to wait it out and basically let things get a little bit worse. And you say those things as a surgeon and they sort of, you know that it impacts the patients, but all of a sudden when you are the patient yourself, it takes on a whole new sort of um, meaning. And from that idea and basically from that unwillingness to just sort of wait it out, Leif kind of gave up the final couple years of his clinical career and started EpiSurf. And we started very small, grew sort of very diligently and organically. And I think because we were surgeon founded grew what I consider sort of the right way. And that was one of the things that attracted me to the company is the way that kind of methodically through a sort of very solid foundation of clinical results, built the company, the way that everybody would sort of want to, if they were given the right amount of not only time, but investor support and kind of um, oversight and infrastructure along the way. Gotcha. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. So you were mentioning that EpiSurf Medical is a Swedish company. Is this new technology your first foray into the U.S. market? It is, yeah. So right around the new year, we've got like sort of our first 510K clearance at hand. What we make sort of at our core is customized implants to help the middle-aged patient. That's in the knee in some situations, that's in the ankle in some situations, that will be in the toe. 
in some situations down the road. But as of the beginning of this year, we are sort of uh, live, so to say, commercially in the US. We've had an IDE trial in place for a couple of years now, but everyone who's been involved with those historically knows that those take a long time from start to finish. And obviously due to the regulatory environment, you're very limited on how you can promote those, who you can talk to about those and what you can do sort of publicly with those. So we are sort of at our kind of earliest stages in introducing what we think of as sort of a platform technology into the US. Gotcha. That's great. And so this technology you're mentioning is primarily for the knee. What exactly is it? Sure. So we got our start in the knee, like I mentioned, sort of off of uh, Leif's knee. We actually use his knee in a lot of our kind of physical demo samples and everything. So what we do is we make personalized implants for the treatment of sort of early arthritis or for these gap patients in the knee and in the ankle. And what we do is we take MRI scans and MRI will come in to us. And then our team of engineers in Stockholm they will create what we call a damage marking report, which is really sort of a aesthetically kind of a coherent and aesthetically pleasing sort of version of mapping out not only the surfaces of the patient's bone, but all of their sort of cartilage surfaces. And then we will introduce or we will sort of showcase one of our personalized implants on top of treating only the damaged area of a patient's bone. From there, the surgeon in some back and forth interaction with our office, the surgeon and our engineers, they will personalize both the implant's thickness and really importantly, the implant's surface geometry. So as when these implants, which are inlay sort of style, once they're put into the bone, the surface curvatures are matching up exactly. So the trick we like to ask surgeons once our products are in is to close their eyes and kind of run their finger along the surface of the joints. And they should not really know, am I dealing with or am I touching native bone or tissue or am I touching the implant? So everything we do, regardless of if it's in the knee or in the uh, ankle or eventually in the foot, everything is personalized, one implant for one patient off of one scan. Interesting. And you use the term gap patient that I know quite a few people know, but maybe some of our listeners don't. Can you explain what a gap patient is? Yeah, sure. So I'll define a gap patient as loosely, but of course it can vary a little bit, but loosely patients between the ages of 40 and 60 that tend to have been kind of, or tend to be sort of caught in this tricky spot where they're kind of a lot of the more sort of biologically oriented or biologically centered kind of sports medicine types of procedures. They're just not going to work as well on those patients given their age. And conversely though, their level of damage to their joint is not exactly to the point yet where they should really be good candidates for total knee replacement. And as a result, they're just sort of kind of, you know, they're kind of stuck. They either get some of these sports types of procedures, which, you know, they're told, okay, well, let's just try this. But, you know, really what we're trying to do is just push you out further and further and sort of like let your joints get more damaged and let you get older or they just are receiving arthroplasty younger and younger, which might work in some people, but certainly the registry results don't suggest that it's arthroplasty in people in their 50s does not work as well as arthroplasty in people in their 70s or 80s. Yeah, that's very interesting because I'm sure that there's a population of people, a large population of people that fit that. So up till now, they would just wait for their total knee to happen or just get it at a very young age is what I'm assuming. Yeah, they just are sort of sent home and told like, deal with it, you know, and nobody wants to hear that. If you're in enough pain to get yourself into a doctor's office, to have the doctor say, well, you're just going to have to deal with this for five years is not like a very comforting type of statement. I was in a surgeon's office just last week, and he mentioned to me, we were talking about this idea of gap patients and how they manage people in middle age. And the surgeon told me, he said, you know, I had a 55-year-old come in to me recently, and I was talking to them about knee replacement. 
And they just refused. They said, I don't want to hear about having my knee replaced. My mother is 83 and she just had her knee replaced. You know, middle-aged people, they think of, you know, things like knee replacement. That's not their operation. That's the operation for their parents or for later on in their life. There has been this, in part because arthroplasty has worked so well on older patients, there has been this kind of gradual age creep, younger and younger and younger, in large part due to lack of other solid viable alternatives. But there's been this sort of age creep of people getting their knees replaced younger and younger and younger. And I understand that if that's the sort of best tool available in the box. But if you look at, for example, if you look at the British Joint Replacement Registry, so that's 1.4 million patients that they're currently following. And they categorize people, they lump or they group patients every five years by age, and they show all the KL charts of how well these patients are doing at each age interval. And every single line further and further down the chart, as the patients get older, the better and better they're doing. So I guess the other way to put that would be the 55-year-olds are doing worse than the 60-year-olds who are doing worse than the 65-year-olds who are doing worse than the 70-year-olds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this idea that if we just replace everybody's joints when they're in their middle age, that we're going to see the same types of outstanding clinical outcomes that we've seen historically in older patients, it just doesn't seem very likely that that will hold up over time. The surgeons, the market, and most importantly, the patients, they're in demand for something that sort of meets them at the point in their life where they're at and to the level of damage that they have to their own specific situation. Gotcha. Well, that's really interesting. And, you know, Patrick, you mentioned something also a little while ago. You mentioned patient-specific. Can you talk a little bit about how that is? Is the implant actually manufactured for that patient? It is. Yeah. So there is no um, like EpiSurf warehouse that exists anywhere in the world. There's not a single instrument tray that is sitting around a hospital sterile processing department waiting to either get run through the machines or picked up the next day. There is no such thing as, you know, loose EpiSurf instruments just sort of sitting around. Everything that we make, both implant and instruments, is designed patient-specific. So we send in a like a dictionary-sized box of equipment to the site of care, hospital, or very often surgery center. And inside of that box contains both the implant and all of the instruments, and everything is sterile. So all that the facility needs is power equipment and a mallet, and we will provide everything else. The implant goes in, the instruments get used once, and then discarded afterwards. So everything we do is for patients, but as a sort of nice side benefit, we're very much in sort of distributor acquisition mode right now. And distributors, they love the idea because we're saving them multiple trips to the hospital. There's no dropping off the day before for everything, for all of their EpiSurf equipment. There's no dropping off the day before. There's no picking up the day after. There's no spending time walking around a hospital sterile processing department trying to find an instrument that fell on the floor and is underneath the cabinet. So everything we make is designed specifically for each patient. What are you talking about, Patrick? Distributors love to go to sterile processing and, <laughs> and dig around underneath tables. Just ask I've, Hank uh, Balch. <laughs> I've had far too many of those experiences myself and the dread of, okay, I'm going to have to call the company and say we lost an instrument and then figure out who's going to pay for it or try to get the hospital to pay for it. You know, We all know how these things go. To say nothing of the time that it takes to have to spend there the day before and the day after. It's really nice to be able to just sort of show up and everything is there and walk out and everything is taken care of as well. Well, that's key. I mean, Patrick, seriously, if you're a surgeon listening, you know the days of walking in and you hear, there's a hole in the wrap, or yeah, that didn't show up, or yeah, that implant's on back order. There's none of that with EpiSurf. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if I'm a surgeon, that's a wonderful thing to hear to know that I'm going to walk in the door and I'm going to do my 730 case and everything's going to be there and I'm not going to have to go back and talk to the patient and tell them how the facility screwed up again. Yeah, 100%. It's all there. It's all sterile ahead of time. 
And we're only talking because everything is patient matched. We're talking about, you know, a handful of instruments needed to do the entire procedure, five instruments to do the entire procedure. Well, that's exciting, both for surgeons, distributors and patients. That's a very exciting technology. So you've talked about what's your technology that has been approved in the U.S. so far. You kind of alluded to foot and ankle, and I don't know how much more you can say if what you would like to say, but what does the future look like for EpiSurf? Sure. Well, we're publicly traded on the Swedish stock exchange. And as a result of that, most of our R&D plans, you know, they get put out there in the forms of press releases. So we can talk about, you know, maybe a little bit more than privately held companies would feel comfortable with. We have a tailless product that we've been selling in Europe for a number of years. The regulatory pathway in the U.S. is not completely defined on that just yet. However, the foot and ankle market, everybody knows that's the fastest growing sub-segment of orthopedics, has been for a number of years, and, and all projections show that it will continue to be for a couple of years going forward. We've been approached by surgeons over the years saying, you know, the technology that you guys offer could be really appealing in the first metatarsal joint for hallux rigidus or arthritis of the big toe. That's a clinical condition where fusion is still sort of the gold standard. And that works very well from a pain relief standpoint, but obviously there's huge, you know, limitations on motion when a patient, particularly, you know, women, if they want to wear high heels or something, there's limitations on motion when you have your big toe fused. And that sort of fits perfectly with EpiSurf's mantra of we want to sort of replace these end-stage procedures, end-stage procedures like arthroplasty and arthrodesis, you know, sort of replace those, not replace them in the orthopedic ecosystem, but sort of put them back into the end-stage kind of category or situation that they were originally intended to be by providing something that fits sort of mid-continuum of care. So what we've been working on for a while, and in large part with a very well-known European Dutch surgeon named Nick Van Dyke, and also here domestically, a former ACFAS president, is working on a personalized solution to create an implant to replace the first metatarsal head, something that will be or could be amended into fusion or revised into fusion down the road if it's still needed to be, something that's very bone sparing, but something that also takes into account the unique anatomy of that specific location that can properly incorporate somehow, you know, incorporate how the sesamoids interact with the implant incorporate the different sort of uh, need for different flanges on both the dorsal side and the lateral side, and really take a lot of the experiences that we've gained over the years in receiving advanced images in and then producing personalized implants. Taking that and introducing that into the foot is something that we're very, very excited about and hope to have a product like that out to the market certainly within the next year and hopefully within the next six months or so. Wow, that's very exciting. Obviously, with the amount of procedures or availability of procedures in foot and ankle space, that's going to be an exciting market, I'm sure. Yeah. And I mean, it's a high volume clinical condition. And I think people who are familiar with the foot and ankle space will be familiar with the Cartiva product from many years ago. And putting aside some of the specific clinical challenges that Cartiva specifically had, what Cartiva did show, they grew that business quite quickly. And what Cartiva, I think, did show is that Surgeons, when they feel that they're sort of a winning product in this category or in to treat this condition, surgeons will move in mass away from fusion. And I think some of the motivations for that are pretty obvious is that patients don't want it. These end stage procedures, people in their middle ages, they are just not content with hearing that like, well, sorry, we're just going to fuse your toe or sorry, we're just going to replace your knee because that's sort of what we have available to us. So we hope to be able to introduce something that sort of carves out its own space kind of in, we'll call it mid-continuum of care, no different than we've done in other joints throughout the years. Wow. Well, a lot of exciting technology. I don't want to hold you to anything, but where do you see the foot and ankle products? When do you see them coming to the U.S.? 
Well, I mean, the toe, like I mentioned, hopefully that's something that's, you know, within the next six to 12 months that that will be on the market. The tailors, I can't comment anymore on right now, is that still sort of an in-process regulatory discovery project. But it's certainly as soon as we have a more concrete idea of that, you know, it's the type of thing that we'd have to make publicly known. Great, great. Well, we'll uh, definitely have you back so we can learn more about that when it hits the market. So if there's somebody out there, whether it be a surgeon or a distributor who's interested in EpiSurf, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, sure. So I will probably regret this, but I'll just leave you my cell phone number in, in a second. But LinkedIn is an easy way to get a hold of me. I'm relatively active on LinkedIn. Someone is definitely welcome to leave me a direct message. But even more specifically, if, if there's a surgeon or a distributor that's interested in learning more about what we do, they can feel free to get a hold of me, 214-983-6156. That's my cell phone number until I get too many spammy requests and I have to change it. But please feel free. We love to talk about what it is that we are up to and to share the technology that we have and hopefully get it in, you know, in a lot more people's hands in their local markets. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your cell phone number. Ortho Idea listeners, please be very courteous with that number. Patrick, you may be getting lots of solicitations from all kinds of things, but no, in all honesty uh, and in all seriousness, this is a fantastic product and a company that's dedicated to patients, obviously restoring their movement, restoring what they want to do as a kind of what we talked about as a gap patient. So I really appreciate, Patrick, you taking the time to come on today and talk to us about EpiSurf. And again, you've heard the number also. I'm sure you can go out and Patrick Jamnick, who's on LinkedIn, and you can uh, find him there. So again, Patrick, thank you very much for your time coming on the Ortho Idea podcast. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for having me, Eric. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to the Ortho Idea podcast. If you would like to learn more about the technologies discussed, please visit www.orthoidea.com.